Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on where you're tuning in from. My name is Jack Reedy, Sec IT guy across all of the platforms. I am the director of cybersecurity content here at INE, and I will be your host for today's show. Want to give a quick shout out in pre roll? Definitely saw Mr. Maz, uh, Marinix Livens, and Ravenwing84 in chat being active. We definitely appreciate all for joining us. Thank you so much for being here. And today we'll also be joined by our newest defensive engineering instructor, Brian Olif, to do a walkthrough of how to hack the holidays, also known as how to stay safe while you're out shopping and enjoying your time. However, before we do, if you are new to our channel, welcome. We are focused on your student journey and cover all major technology topics across the primary social platforms. As a reminder, we are here for you to answer your questions and to talk about what matters most to you. So please drop your questions in the chat with a cue in the front and like, subscribe, or follow us to stay up to date on both the technology news and our ongoing training releases. Now, let's get back to the topic and bring in Brian. I want to see him and see hi, how he's doing. How are you doing today, Brian? I am doing fantastic today, Jack. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate the Christmas lights up there. You know, I had to uh, dress up for the occasion too. I think I like yours a little better, although I don't. I don't think it would look that good on me. You can. You're definitely pulling it off, though. I appreciate it, though. I mean, let's be honest. With that beard, you could probably rock anything. Um, well, this being your first INE live, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background, please? And you know what we can expect as an instructor moving forward. What are, What are your interests? Absolutely. Um, I've been in the IT field for about 15-ish years or so at this point. Um, I started out on the help desk doing the common, you know, answering the phones, password resets, that kind of fun thing. Um, eventually moved into more of server administration, network administration. Uh, from there, eventually moved back in or into security operations and then eventually into security management before I started working here as an instructor. Um, so a pretty diverse uh, area of fields I've worked in. I've worked at a managed service provider. Um, I have also worked at, in the legal field and in healthcare, all doing some form of IT in all those areas. So fairly broad range of, uh, of organizations. Um, as far as my content here, I'm going to be focused mainly on security engineering and defensive operations, how to properly secure your environment and your infrastructure to be as prepared as possible to protect against attacks. Absolutely excellent. I'm looking forward. I mean, we've been working already on some of the stuff that we are planning out, and it has just been, I, I can tell you guys, it's very exciting to see what's coming down the pipe. So, like I asked, please stay tuned. So, taking a look at today, we really wanted to go over the multiple types of holiday scams, uh, phishing attempts, and other ways that attackers will tr be trying to take your identity or your money or compromise your system. Um, now, to begin, we're covering mostly gray areas of attacks, if you will. Uh, specifically, what is a gray area, right? If you would consider, ask the question, what is malicious? The answer generally isn't always crystal clear. It's not a yes or no type of answer. It's not something that you can just immediately go 100% that is, or is that, that is not malicious. Technically speaking, until a loss occurs, which is someone loses some money, uh, steals information, or abuses a system, 
an attack hasn't actually been realized. So keeping that in mind, what we are going to do is we're going to actually describe what the attack is, the scenario and how it works, and then we're going to provide you with the warning signs or the red flags, as we've seen the memes, uh, to look for all throughout and rolling up to the point to where you might lose something. Now, as you're going through your holiday day to day, if you see these red flags, then there is a very strong chance that this is a scam and you may lose either your money or your information or your system access. Now, Brian, what are some of the things to remember when you find yourself in these types of situations where you think you're either part of a scam or you just realize that you, you might have gotten taken? Really, the, one of the first things to keep in mind is, you know, don't don't panic. Don't get too excited or worked up over it. If if you think you might be facing a scam, if don't take any action until you stop and think about it. Don't worry about, you know, any any timelines or deadlines that may be presented in a scam. The biggest thing to remember is when you're panicking or you're, you're, you're worked up, you're not going to be thinking clearly. And when you're looking at a situation like this, the first thing you want to do is think clearly. Um, you want to not engage with a scammer. You want to... One of the safest things you can do if you think you're facing a scam is to ignore it completely. If you have concerns, depending on the source of the scam, there or the where they're making the scam look like it came from we reword that a bit there are ways you can check and verify to see if this is legitimate or not without actually engaging with the scam and we'll get into some of those examples a little later um another thing to remember is one of your first impulses may be to go to law enforcement and while that's definitely good advice something to remember is Law enforcement, whether it be local police, FBI, anything like that, have limited resources and they're going to focus on the biggest risks and the biggest attackers first before they focus on attackers that may be doing individual scams that are not creating a whole lot of loss. So those are just some things to keep in mind when you think you may be faced with a scam. Yeah, so uh, to your point, actually, I think um, most recently, the last time I actually spoke with a representative of the FBI or, you know, engaged with them, I believe the limit was $10,000. And even then, uh, for them to get involved, it was probably a lot higher than that bar. And it's kind of weird. I was talking about it this morning uh, with somebody. It's, it's kind of unusual that we are now in this point of, it's kind of like it was in the 90s but for different reasons. Back then it was because there was a lack of resources and they didn't have you know, enough people to send on every type of chase for some loss of, you know, of value or resources or IP. Now it's just they are over inundated with requests. It's happening too often and they don't have enough resources to you know, meet every single one. Um, I think, I, and, and a note to another point too with what you were talking about with the money thing, I think more so what we're looking at is to give you tools that you can spot ahead of time so that way you don't lose it in the first place and it doesn't have to be something that's reported, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So with that, um, I'm going to, you know, 
kind of pivot us over here because we, we, we've uh, talked about this. And one of the things I want to bring up was fishing. So I know that we talk about fishing quite a bit here. Um, everybody does it all the time. Uh, it definitely part of the you know yearly information request. In fact, I was literally just yesterday at the hotel, random conversation I was talking to with uh, one of the hotel clerks and they said, yeah, I just filled a fishing test for my company. And I was like, wow, that, you know, I've got this thing going on tomorrow that you might want to pay attention to. So I hope you're out here. Um, <laughs> point being though is, one of the things we want to talk on, because we've talked in beat, you know, fishing to death, is more so what are the types of fishes that you will see or themes that you will see around the holidays. And the first one I'm going to bring up is you have a package. Sorry we missed you. Or some other form of vendor telling you that this is on the way to your house. Brian, I think you might actually have an example for us, correct? Absolutely. I do have a couple of examples that we'll pull up here. Um, so here are some common ones and you see these throughout the year, but you're also going to see a lot of them start to pick up around the holiday shopping season. The three we've got showing right here are from uh, three fairly, you know, large major uh, shipping companies, at least here in the U.S. Um, and they all have this theme of being very vague and just saying, we need more information from you. Click here to provide that information without really telling you too much about anything that's going on. There's, there's no tracking numbers. And even some of these scam messages can have tracking numbers. Um, but again, with, with, with phishing things, there's, there's all the common um, you know, identifiers you can use. Do you recognize who it's coming from? Um, you know, are you expecting a package? That's one of the biggest ones with these fake ship shipment notifications. Are you expecting any kind of package? If you're not, then you shouldn't have any kind of shipment notification like this. Um, and with that, you can also go ahead. I was, I was going to say also with that, one of the things that we're looking for here is enticing to click and engage, enticing to click on the link. Because what's going to happen is usually we see these play out in two ways. Either one. Uh, you know, a malicious file is downloaded and some form of compromise happens on your system itself. Two, you're given some type of fake form page and it can look exactly like some type of login information. So then you're given your username and password or it's your personal information because they need your name and address to complete this package to be sent to you. And at some point they'll ask for as much personal identifiable information as possible. So it's either info or to actually compromise the machine itself. You know, something that you have or something you know. Absolutely. A common fishing, common, common fishing tactics. Yeah. And outcome as well. It's, mm -hmm. And again, like we said, this isn't necessarily that this is something new. It's just we see an uptick of this in the theme instance from every holiday experience. And a lot of you out there, you know, being students, you might see this and go, well, of course, I already know that. But also don't be afraid to share this with your friends and your family that might not. You know, I definitely have plenty of individuals in my life that I've gotten calls or texts from that say, hey, is this malicious? What, what's going on here? Can you help me with this? This Absolutely. is the type of thing that you know, we should really be reminding them about when we're talking to those that aren't exactly familiar with technology. 100% every day I get those same questions, very familiar with those. <laughs> um, so with that, what are some of the, you were, you'd already talked about 
you know, they're missing identification numbers. They're missing, or tracking numbers, I should say. Um, what are some other, well, what are some ways that you can verify this stuff without clicking that link? Um, well, for one, you know, one I mentioned, a, a big one is, are you expecting a package at all? If you're not expecting a package, chances are you can safely ignore this. Something else to keep in the back of your mind is, how would this shipping company have gotten my email address? How would they associate a shipment coming to me going to my email as well? And if you want to verify, you can always log in to the individual uh, individual vendor's systems. For example, FedEx here, you can go to FedEx website and unfortunately there's no tracking number in here, which is one of the dead giveaways. If there's no tracking number listed in the email, almost 99% guaranteed it is a scam. But if, even if you do have a tracking number in the in the, uh, the scam message, you go to the FedEx's website or USPS or any of those, track the package. Is this something that's coming to you? Is this a package that even exists? Is this a real tracking number? The biggest thing to remember is don't ever click on any of the links in the email Go straight, you know, pull up your own browser and go straight to this website and research it that way, interacting directly with the shipping vendor. Absolutely. And with that, too, I mean, that, that's something that we can kind of, you're going to hear repeated a little bit today is take, go to the source of the information, go to the source of the claim through your browser. Don't click on anything in the email. Use copy and paste, if, you know, if you're looking for text. Make sure that you are, and I personally, when it, I, it involves any form of email, I copy and then I paste into some type of notepad or I paste into some type of text-based document because you can go to copy-paste and what you think is a text you know, input. So for example, we were talking tracking IDs. You can copy and paste a tracking ID and then when you go to paste it, it actually comes up as a URL. Mm -hmm. so, uh, an act, so if you were to try and search from that, in your browser bar in the actual top part, you would end up still going to that website. Right. As a result, right? And which is what we're trying to avoid. So having Notepad Notepad is, is definitely one of the safest methods to use because it will only accept and use plain text input. It's not possible to have a link in Notepad. Absolutely for Windows, yeah, definitely. Um, having said that, so why don't we move on to the next form which I heard very recently, which is the BOST requests, right? Um, so boss requests is in, hey, I have a favor to ask of you type of phishing emails. Can you please grab this many types of, yes, there it is. You want to talk to this a little bit, Brian? Absolutely. This is a common one. You're not going to see this too much in your personal email, but this is very important to keep a lookout for at work. Um, this type of scam is the scammer will email you pretending to be usually somebody fairly high up in the company, a CEO, a CFO, some level like that. They want to pretend to be somebody high up in the company so that you look at it and you immediately start to panic, which is one of the first things we talked about. Don't panic. They want to make it look like it's somebody important. So you don't question it. You immediately jump into it. Your CEO will almost never send you an email out of the blue asking you to purchase gift cards for him and then to send him the numbers. What the scammer is attempting to do is 
basically get free money. They want you to go out and purchase so num so many number of gift cards, you know, five, 10 gift cards of certain denominations, scan or uh, uh, scratch off the numbers on the back of them, send those numbers to the scammer, which pay which case they have just gotten free gift cards. Your CEO will never be involved in this. They wouldn't even know about it unless you ask them specifically. So one of the things you want to do in this case is if you get an email like this, reach out to your boss. If you if you know the CEO, reach out directly to the CEO, not by replying to the email, but by contacting them through another verified means, either their phone number or, you know, walking up to them in the office, depending on the size of your company um, or, you know, reaching out to your boss or anything like that. The biggest thing is don't ever go out and buy these gift cards because this is 100% going to lose you money that you will not get back. Yeah, I 100% agree. And with that too, uh, when you're talking about these types of emails and these types of engagements, it is near and dear the holidays. It sounds like it may be a likely, it, it's not at all a likely request. There's definitely different ways to handle this. You know, even Starbucks cards, even doesn't matter the amount. Always verify if they're asking you, I mean, at which point should a company be asking you to put out your money to handle this type of situation, correct? If a company needs to buy gift cards, they are going to use their procurement team or purchasing or something like that and purchase their own gift cards. They're exactly. never going to email one of the employees to go out and buy gift cards with their own money. Absolutely, absolutely. So moving on from that, I believe we have... Um, so fake something's kind of similar uh, in the where it deals with vendors or you know a little bit of pressure there, but fake order confirmations. Now these types of confirmations they can include monetary amounts of we've charged twenty one hundred dollars to your you know whatever bank card we've done, and they can come from things like um, I believe Amazon, Apple, some things like that. You, you want to speak to the one the examples that you brought for us. Absolutely. One of the most common ones, at least that I've seen in my career so far, has been Amazon order confirmations. Mm -hmm. um, just because Amazon is, you know, obviously so popular for shopping, it makes sense to use this one as the biggest scam. And, you know, throughout this, we're talking about what are the things you can think about and look for to be able to determine whether this is a scam or not. The first one is did I order this? You know, did I order this 46 inch TV? If you didn't, then obviously this is definitely a scam. Did you order anything from this vendor? You know, that's that's the first thing to do. Again, never click the emails. And, and you know, we keep going back to the same uh, things to look for on phishing emails. Look at the email address it's coming from. You know, look at the subject line. Look for grammatical errors and things like that. Now, if we look at the two other examples we have here, the, the Home Depot and the Walmart example, these are very, very vague emails about there is an order ready, but we're not telling you anything about the order because the scammer apparently didn't want to go into that much effort. Um, any of these major companies or even small companies, if you have an order that is ready to be picked up, the email is going to tell you what the or what is in the order. They're not going to ask you to click on a link to confirm it. That's part of the purchasing process. 
So, you know, again, looking at these, there's no information in them. It literally says there's an order ready. It's addressed to you. Click here to complete this process. And you also notice there's something common in these two uh, from Home Depot and Walmart is there's a very strict time limit. Now, a lot of these retailers do have these requirements of, hey, pick this up within so many days. Otherwise, we're going to put it back on the shelf. But again, they're going to tell you what you've ordered. And you're also going to know if you've actually ordered something or not. That's the biggest thing to keep in mind. Don't let the fact that you've gotten one of these notifications, you know, scare you. Stop and think, did I order this? Have I interacted with this company before? If you think it may be somebody in your family or a friend or, or something like that, you can always, again, log into the site directly, log into your account, see if there's an order. If, if you've ordered something from one of these companies and they're emailing you, it, that means you have had it done it on your account so that they actually have your email address. Absolutely, and don't get me wrong, account compromises can happen, but if you log into your account, that's the best way to identify that they've happened. You definitely don't want to be clicking on anything in a random email address. You don't want to be clicking on any, you know, emails that you didn't ask, you didn't receive. Uh, when mm -hmm. it comes to, one of the things I want to mention is when it comes to reply to, just because you hit reply to doesn't mean it's going to the address that's listed. It's very, very easy to switch this information on the back end. Um, it's one of the first things we actually train and teach whenever you're talking about social engineering. How to make one of the One of the analogies I use for you know, fake sending addresses is, is relates to you know, regular mail, snail mail. It's as easy to fake a sending email address as it is to fake a return address on an envelope. Yep, that is very true. The, unfortunately, what handles our email system is a very old protocol. And it is very easy to spoof and there's not a lot of confirmation. It was not designed with security in mind. It was not. It's very, very, you, you can get most of the information you need from a plain text and a couple public lookups. Having said that, um, I, I've seen a couple uh, comments moving through. Um, so I wanted to address that. How do I teach or how do I tell uh, you know, my family members that are older and everything else like that? And I will be absolutely honest. When it comes to the holidays, I know what that's like to go to the family's house and fix the computers, update the security posture, clean out all the cash and the junk, make sure everything's running fast for your family and everything's good and you know, set up your nephew's uh, connection, show them what Steam is or whatever else, right? It, it is very, very much so um, part of that experience and the holiday experience when you're in IT or IT security. I get it, love it. Some tips to deal with this. One, just one of the things that I 1000% recommend when it comes to dealing with email, do not click on any attachments that you didn't ask for. If you didn't ask for it, don't click it. Uh, that, that goes with links as well. If you didn't ask for it, don't click it. Verify it came from who it's supposed to come from. What I mean ask for it, that means if you signed up for, I want a guide, let's say a recipe guide. I want a recipe guide on the 10 best types of stuffing or Christmas dishes for the holidays. And it's a PDF. That's fine, you requested it, you got exactly what you asked for. You, got an, you put it in an email address, you received an email with welcome to this mail listing, here's the PDF you asked for, open that attachment. You, asked, you, did, you literally went to a website and you said, please send me this. Right. Versus, 
Um, if you were to just be sitting at home one day and you get a package notification and there is a, please fill out this attached form, and it's you know something attached and they want you to fill it out and return it back. I promise you there's no major vendor today that deals with attachments in that manner, <laughs> one. Uh, two, uh, it's these types of things that when it comes to trying to keep your family safe that a little practice can you know make perfect, but realistically you can tell them that if it doesn't come from your direct family members that you know of, ask me about it. If you're afraid to ask me about it, click forward and send it to me. I can take mm -hmm. a look at that for you real quick. You got anything for that, Brian? Um, and I think a lot of what to keep in mind when you're trying to explain things to older relatives, you know, keep in mind they haven't grown up with technology the way other generations have. Mm -hmm. So what may be second nature to us or just, just, you know, absolute knowledge, it may be something they've never heard of. So another thing I advocate for there is patience, lots of patience. Patience and love, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too is uh, we've already kind of talked about some of the ways is tell them never to click on a link and go to the site. If they don't have a FedEx login, then they shouldn't have to worry about that message, right? Um, if, they, if they have an Amazon login, tell them to log in and check their orders. Don't click on the link, go and check their orders. If they don't see it, then there's nothing to be worried about. There's mm -hmm. official places that will tell you what you do or don't need to do and if your credit card did or did not mess up. So. Just if it's a company you've never heard of, mm -hmm. chances are it's probably not a real company. Yeah, 1,000% uh, too. Um, having said that, some of the uh, wanted to provide a couple other examples of this type of stuff when it comes to what you'll see in some of these um, phishing. And we're about to switch away from phishing to some of the demos and stuff we have too. But uh, so PayPal, any of the money scams, hey, please send me this, or hey, I might be in. I've seen in jail coming up recently around the holidays of, hey, auntie so-and-so, I'm in jail. Can you f send me this money order to this address or whatever else? I have seen that one. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty ingenious. It, you know, it really pulls at the heartstrings. But again, verify. Call who you need to call and make sure that that's not actually happening. And another one that you can receive these too is from text or messaging apps. I get stuff all the time from you know, different forms of messaging apps that are just blind sends into my number. And I receive yeah. them and there's a link and it's, hey, PayPal has you know, signed you up for this or you have money waiting or someone sent you a gift card. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. <laughs> nope, nope, they did not. Yeah. And, and, and again, like we keep saying, if you have questions about it, you're like, well, maybe somebody did send me a gift card. Maybe it's just my lucky day. Yeah. Log into PayPal, verify it that way. Don't interact with the suspected scammer or scam message. Absolutely, those scammers love using emotion uh, from just there, love using emotion. That's actually step one of social engineering, guys. Uh, mm -hmm. And I believe that we'll, hopefully within this uh, next couple of months, we'll have something coming out on that. But yes, it's social engineering step one, play the emotions. It's a bit, a lot more psychology. Some of the best social engineering examples that I've seen had nothing to do with technology. It was talking somebody in to giving up a password, uh, changing the account information. Even major vendors, the one, uh, one of the most beautiful examples I saw was at a Black Hat demo, uh, pre-recorded, posted up on YouTube. Um, somebody asked me sometime, and I'll share, share the uh, examples, but they did what's called a vishing attack, and they only used their voice in a believable story and were able to take over somebody's account at a major cell phone provider. 
Absolutely. They broke the process. And that's, I've, I have seen more successful attacks happen because attackers break processes by pulling on heartstrings and, oh, this is an odd thing. And then they're able to get in and then put in a compromised device into that network because somebody let them get away with something that normally wouldn't happen. But again, they pulled on the heartstrings, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And, and, and they will do that. You know, we were talking about the CEO gift card scam earlier. They'll do that same thing with phone calls. Exactly. You know, an attacker will call you and say, hey, I'm your CEO. They'll probably use a name. They won't just say, I'm your CEO. Um, you know, that. asking you to to do something. Hey, let me connect into your computer so I can verify something. Well, your network's just compromised. Yeah, that's another way. Moving on from that, though, uh, again, trying to stick more to the holiday themes. <laughs> uh, you, you know me, tangents all around. Uh, so wanted to talk more about, yeah, want to talk more about something that I've seen much more prevalent in the last uh, two to three years. Uh, so we'll call them scam marketplaces. But what they are is they are a full-on type of somewhat legitimate looking business, but really want to take a look at uh, some of the red flags that are there some of the, and show some of the uh, live examples that we have. Now, I will remind you guys that we are talking gray areas here. We are talking about very strong recommendation against stuff uh, involving, you know, this. I believe we might be able to see the name here. Ignore it. Um, it is one of those things where we just want to show you what something can look like. Uh, this one has actually already been listed previously on a well-known reputation site for being potentially uh, malicious or a scam. So if you want to walk us through this, Brian, some of the uh, things that you're seeing. So one of the first thing that jumps out to me, and you saw it just on the previous picture that was shown up, it says welcome to, and then it's not a company name, it's just the domain name. We'll see it come up here in just a second. Um, but there's no company name associated with it. It's that there is right there. It's just the domain name showing up. Another thing that kind of is a red flag for me is this the sheer length of this page. It's a little small, but on the far right-hand side, you see that scroll bar there. That shows that it's a very long, long page, and we can scroll through it a little bit, and you know, you see how long this page is going to go. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Um, a couple other things that jump out to me is there's no, there's no real theme or or setup to this page. It's just a listing of of anything and everything on yeah countless available. numbers of products at the very top we're at christmas related things but as we scroll down to we've got some other just random products mm -hmm. we go from christmas to summer to just anything in between there's no there's no grouping or theme and this page is nothing but a listing of products for sale, which is a huge red flag in my book. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things too is if you go to a, um, I'm not sure if you're able to go to one of the actual items itself. Yeah, we, we got one pulled up right here. Wonderful. So if you take a look at this too, you'll see that the very first thing right underneath add to, add to cart is PayPal, just immediately PayPal. On top of that, you see some kind of outrageous looking discounts. I mean. Well, I'm kind of ha having trouble seeing on my end, but I believe that says $20 down to, what is that, $8.99, $9.99 right off the bat. Um, and yeah, there you go. And with that, you even get, if you get two items, you get even more money off, three, four, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. The high volume items, all these you know, pictures in stock, PayPal being the first thing up, 
If you keep scrolling down together as well, I believe, yep, a little bit more, we can talk about the icons a little bit. And one of the first things that you'll see is, I mean, all of this is very standardized, but if you take a look at those icons right there at the bottom, yep, so Norton Antivirus, PayPal, Visa, MasterCard, McAfee Secure, this is a guaranteed safe checkout. What you guys don't see, and I can hear though, is Brian is clicking on these right now, and it's going nowhere. These are supposed to be icons that are uh, interactive. You click on them and it takes you to a Visa Safe page that is a full explanation about what that program is. Same mm -hmm. with uh, the Norton one, McAfee. So the fact that these are just pictures should be a very large red flag. Yeah, another, these are not linked at all. Yep, another one is the design. Now don't get me wrong, some stores, some people, they have stores that aren't exactly well designed, but the fact is, is that they're using basic font packs here, which you might ask, what is that? It's the most standardized set of fonts, so that way this produces and displays across the widest variety of browsers without any quality assurance or quality control happening on the front end of the website as well. Um, if you want to scroll back up there, uh, Brian, is, uh, take a look at some of the add to carts. And pay yes, so the PayPal's and the add to carts, the golden bells, it's a wonder lot. You know, it's, it's all very streamlined. And there's an intention behind that. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, you can talk to some of this. I believe you've had some experience here before, correct, Brian? Absolutely, yeah, and and you know, like I said, one of the things that jumps out at me, like you're saying, is this doesn't look like a typical retailer's site that you're gonna see. One of the things that I've been noticing here is this frequently bought together. Why would anybody buy a Christmas tree ornament, and then a TV or lighting behind a TV, and then? I'm not even sure what this is on the I think right. That might be a what? heat gun or some type of. I don't. I have no but idea. Why oh. would these be purchased together at the same time? That this the a lot of the content on this site just doesn't make any sense at all. Mm. And again, keep in mind, this doesn't mean it is definitely a scam site. This could be a legitimate site, just very very poorly designed. Again, like we were talking about, we cannot verify this information because to verify it would be going through the process, purchasing the items, and then waiting however long. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is get yours today, PayPal, and then credit card. Uh, whenever you click to add to cart and you go to check out from the cart, the three payment options are um, going to be two forms of different PayPal. Yep, PayPal, checkout, things like that. And then um, with that, it will be PayPal, and then it'll be, after that, your credit card and your debit card information. Now, the reason why, and this, is, this goes to, and you have to remember that PayPal is a money handling service. It is not the vendor of these items at all. So in that, in their terms of service, there is a temporary delay. Being drop listing, a drop listing wait time can be 21 to 30 days if you're coming from anywhere in the world. I've, I've personally received items from shipping that can take you know, upwards of 30 plus days to receive because they're coming from across the ocean. That's not exactly uncommon if you're dealing with a reputable brand. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, when you go through PayPal as an option and you wait those 30 days and you don't receive your item, they start an intermediary service for another up to 20 days. And then on top of that, if you escalate out of that intermediary service, 
their terms of service say they have up to 30 days to resolve that issue for you. So in total, you're talking about 80 to 90 days. And in the meantime, this site is still up, it's still operational, it's still receiving potentially new, potentially um, other people orders. In total, odds are this site probably, if it's good for a couple thousand dollars, it's still not gonna get enough movement or traction to get FBI, uh, Interpol if it's overseas, or any other form of agency actually investigating who's behind this. The company can roll the site, as in they can tear it all down, abandon it, whatever. The contact information may or may not be leading back to anything relevant. And without an investigation or a major loss that's happening, as we stated previously, the money is just gone. You're left here with your pockets lighter, and there's Absolutely. really not much of a recourse. Something common I've seen with with these scam sites is, you know, once they get a certain amount of money, that site is gone. Or the site the site may not be gone, but it is a completely different looking website at that point. Same address, but the site is a hundred percent different. It's a different store name. Everything about the site looks a hundred percent different, and you will never get your money back from that because the company no longer exists exactly exactly that's and these are again why can't we verify this it can take a very long time to verify that's part of the wait that's part of the pause this is another thing and reason why and again that might be a legitimate site for all mm -hmm. we know no idea the point though is that from our professional recommendations is not to interact with a site like that to tell others not to interact with a site like that. And Brian, if we can pull up your example one more time, I believe you do have something that we can show that um, represents what you can do to look out for these things. Because now we've, we've talked about why and how this is a scam. Well, let's talk about how do you find out that it's a scam, right? And using one example website, there's plenty of websites out there to, to try and look this up. This is just mm -hmm. one of the examples. So what we did is we went yeah. and searched for this domain name um, on this site, and we came up with the very first um, bar you see or banner you see up here is it has been reported as a possible scam. It has a very low trust score. I'm, I'm not actually sure if it can have a zero, so it's very possible this is the lowest score available. Uh, so this is a good quick at a glance uh, advisory of is this site possibly a scam or is it legit you know if we put something in here like a well-known retailer say best buy or something the trust score is probably going to be a hundred if not very close to it Actually, um, I, so I, this I, is just one of the indicators you can use to look it's not a guarantee but it's an indicator yeah and i actually did do that to verify and it does show up as a hundred for best buy and amazon Excellent. Um, yeah and I, again we're not saying scam advisor is the site to go to what we're recommending is that you take the name of the site that you're looking for, you go into Google, you put name of the site, and then site review, or um, sites reviews, or SEO, or anything like that. And it will tell you, you'll find information about, you know, how many results do you get? How old is the site? Um, do, are there any active complaints? A lot of times people will take to socials if they have a very specific instance and they're angry about it right mm -hmm. so there's multiple different ways if you are ever in doubt again and I believe if you guys um, had seen on that example there was a number counting down till these you know deals ended 
as part of the you know time instance that FOMO or fear of missing out trying to you know grab you and engage you and this deal will be gone in the next one hour and then a countdown starts occurring that's intentional so you take a step you take a breath do your research and be willing to miss out on a deal potentially just to make sure you don't completely get scammed off the bat and off the top absolutely right? And again, you know, legitimate retailers use that tactic just for marketing to try and to try and get you to buy stuff now as opposed to later. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, all of these things are just indicators that something could be a scam site. Yeah. None of what we have said is a 100% this is a scam. They're all just things you can use to look for. When it comes to social engineering, there's never really going to be a very clear this is a scam until you can prove. Mm -hmm. And this is what, and these marketplaces are forms of, and by the way, we found these by going through ad spots on the social media websites. All of these were identified through going on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We have multiple examples of this. In fact, I actually found too many examples to actually show you guys in a relevant, you know, meaningful way, but we were sitting around and talking about this. And I think I had around six different sites in total that looked exactly like this. And these are the things that we found is that they prefer PayPal, but will accept your credit card information too. Um, and that you will see these drastic discounts just happen like this, where, you know, if you get two, you get 10% off and so on and so forth. And having said that too, um, the last thing that really stuck out to me was there was almost always some form of a time aspect on there of, you know, this is the holiday sale, or this is to explain why there was such a deep discount on their mm -hmm. thing. And it, it made it very, it was funny because it seems like some type of marketing engagement, but at the same time, looking at that site, you can tell there's almost no marketing and theme to the actual site itself, right? Right, yeah. If, you know, if, if a company is going to do marketing to that level, they're going to actually market their site a little better. They're, they're not going to have the name of their store be a domain name. Exactly. And the other thing, too, is, as we said, you can always take the sites, add the word review after it, site review, SEO, something like that, mm -hmm. and really take a look at how many hits you get back. If you get things back that say, you know, there's not many results for this site, I personally would not be doing business with them. Yep. Now, having said that, um, wanted to take a second to branch over into one other form of this that is a tale as old as time. I've personally been gotten once or twice by some of these things, but want to talk about the private listing stores like eBay, uh, Macari, Craigslist, where you're able to put up your own sale version. It could be auctioned on, it can be buy now, it can be things like that. And talk about misleading descriptions. Now, when you're dealing with the sites where somebody self-publishes what the item is, make sure that you're looking for new or relevant pictures of the item. Mm -hmm. And you're also taking a look at the descriptions very, very carefully and reading through all of them. And that includes hitting the see more button because a lot of times it is in the fine print on these guys and it'll be at the very bottom of the description. One example was um, several years ago before I was even in IT and I was trying to build my first computer, I bought what I thought was a great deal for a processor to put on, you know, a motherboard, a gaming board back then, right? Um, and it was my initial foray and I found this deal and it was like previously used but 65 to 70% off market price 
and all this other stuff. And I went for it. And that was the first time that I found out about a PayPal scam and how long it takes to actually resolve one of those issues. Mm -hmm. Never got my money back. Um, and what I ended up getting was a picture of a processor in the box. I've seen, I've seen many of those. A lot of times they're with um, you know, new video cards that are hard to find, mm -hmm. uh, gaming consoles that are hard to find. The description will list out the standard marketing speak for whatever this item is, you know, whether it's an, the newest NVIDIA graphics card or a PS5 or anything like that. The entire listing will be all the marketing for that. And at the very bottom, a little disclaimer, you are only bidding on a picture of this item. So technically they can't get in trouble because the description said you're only buying a picture of it. It doesn't matter that this picture costs a thousand dollars. We told you, you were only getting a picture, but a lot of people don't read that and they end up falling for that scam and they have no recourse against that. Absolutely. And one of the things too is it's frustrating. Okay, it's extremely frustrating. It's extremely, um, you know, for me, I lost a lot of trust in the system. I didn't, I don't think I touched eBay again for another three years. Um, point being, and I'm again, not calling out eBay, just saying that this is where it happened from my personal experience. And just to be careful of the descriptions. But having said all of that, it goes back to being safe and learning about the red flags. And a lot of people think that it's very easy to know that, oh, this is malicious. And it's not. Mm -hmm. It's intentionally designed to be enticing. It's intentionally designed to pull the wool over your eyes. It doesn't always have to deal with attachments or emails or anything else like that. And you shouldn't feel bad getting engaged with it. Uh, well, what I mean is getting taken by it if you ever have or ever do. What you should do, though, is you should be cognizant, vigilant, and looking for those red flags. Having said that, I'm gonna pivot us just a little bit over, and I wanna take a second to touch on a little bit of personal security while you guys are out shopping or traveling for the holidays, be it to you know somebody's house locally or abroad, not abroad, um, not right now, not abroad, uh, but more so on the road or in the cars, uh, you know, having just driven here myself from New York. So obviously, credit card skimming is a thing. Um, if you guys are unfamiliar with that, it is, basically a secondary reader that sits on top of the primary reader and it will read your card as you go by. It can also happen with RID, RFID chips within there. Now, the fact that we're starting to use the pin technology much more than the, um, than the scanner itself is helping and assisting with this. But I wanted to bring up that some of the ways and methods, and Brian as well, we were talking about this, of being cognizant of this as you're out and about. And it can happen, again, on my weekends, I, I will go into Manhattan and spend time with friends or meet up with, you know, people visiting the city or things like that. So I'll even see this on, you know, random sketchy ATMs looking things in the city that are just sitting on the sidewalk randomly. Mm -hmm. um, it is, it's insane, but some of the ways that you can deal with this or just avoid it altogether is, step one, use the credit card machine that's sitting right near the cashier in the business itself. That's at a gas station. That can be at a convenience store. It can be wherever you need to actually use your card. Obviously start with the chip. If you can't use the chip, use the Stripe. But if you're using the Stripe, make sure you're doing it where the cashier can see. Because if there's a skimming you know, instance in there, it's the business's responsibility. However, if it's on the pump outside, you know, that's out of sight, out of mind, 
that's where you're a lot it. it's a lot harder for them to actually see that being installed than it is the one that's physically sitting in their eyes in their uh, in their line of sight absolutely and on top of that a lot of the ones that are sitting in line of sight they have service requirements where the vendor will come out and review and check up on it every couple of months to make sure that it's not broken or dirty or it's working appropriately too. Mm -hmm. So it, that's one of those things, depending on the terms of service of the, the company that's involved, that those things will be reviewed and checked out. Again, it, it's right there next to the cashier. It's gonna be very difficult to slip a skimmer on, as opposed to there's plenty of reports on card skimming out at the pump and things like that. But Brian, you had some other comments here too, correct? As far as, you know, ones on gas pumps and ATMs, those are actually more common than than a lot of people think. And it may not be as common as it was a couple of years ago because a lot of people have caught on to this scam. But one of the best things you can do to try to prevent yourself from falling victim to that type of scan or scam is before you swipe your credit card, just kind of grab a hold to the card, the card scanner, the card reader give it a slight tug, not too much. You don't want to actually, you know, break the real one because, you know, then you're out of luck. But give it a slight tug. Chances are, if there's a fake skimmer on there that's trying to, you know, actually get your credit card, it'll pop off in your hand. The real one is not going to do that unless it's already broken. So that's one of the biggest things at gas pumps or at ATMs. Give it a slight tug before you swipe your credit card. I do that every time I buy gas. And so far, I've been lucky. We'll see yeah. if that still holds. Well, I mean, there's that. You can also take a look for any signs of intrusion or mm -hmm. if anybody's gotten around or in. I've seen some examples where the entire thing slipped over the keypad. It's kind of ingenious, looked amazing, but at the same time, it was still one of those things where, you know, it, it would uh, potentially be able to be identified, if you will. You, you right. could identify, if you were somebody that was actually looking and paying attention, you could identify it by, there were a couple wires that were hanging out to the right side. Um, some of the other things too that you can take a look at is if you have things like Apple Pay or Samsung Pay, uh, you can use those as your, because your actual credit card information is not exposed whenever you utilize those things, if they have that as an option by the, uh, with the, whatever system that you're utilizing. I've noticed a lot of a lot of the newer gas pumps and gas stations actually do have that. You can walk up, scan your watch to pay, and you're done. So at that point, you know, you haven't exposed your real credit card information. So even if that somehow did get compromised, it's a very, very if any use, very little to any use to the uh, to the scammer. Yeah, and having said that too, there's actually some credit services where you can put on file your financial information and then check out a temporary credit card as you as you need, mm -hmm. use that information and then return the credit card and it will wipe all the, you know, the actual digits information like that. Great for online shopping, you know, um, I'm not gonna actually use the names of the, the services on, on camera, but still, do a little bit of Googling, you should be able to find them. Um, also, going back to the gas, you know, gas stations or retail areas as well, Definitely recommend taking a look at uh, the well-lit ones, the large ones, if you are traveling on the road. If you're in a big city, try and stay towards, um, you know, gas chains or gas stations that are uh, well-lit, have good view of what's happening in the parking lot, things like that. Just stay safe as you're traveling, if you will. Um, as you are out and shopping, make sure to keep, uh, and I'm just telling you this from being, you know, in, the, you know, in a city uh, frequently, keep your money in the front of your pockets, avoid pickpocketers from the back, avoid you know pockets that dangle like these ones, things like that. Um, 
And one other thing that I do kind of touch on is much more frequent, especially since uh, you know the pandemic and all of us being at home all the time, are the porch pirates, right? You buy your shipment, you you know you get a shipping delivery notification, you get home, nobody's seen the package at all. It's gone missing all of a sudden, right? Mm -hmm. um, so why don't you take a stab at some of these uh, items? So yeah, unfortunately, like you were saying, this is this is way too common because it's such an easy one to pull off. You have these people that just drive through neighborhoods, see packages, they jump out of their car, grab the package, jump back in their car, and they're gone before anybody even knows it. So a few things you can do to try to prevent this from happening to yourself is cameras. Not just, you know, like a doorbell camera, which is good to actually capture it happening, but something else you might want to think about is more conspicuous cameras. If you know, say I was I was one of the people that was doing that. If I'm driving past houses and I see a house that's got a camera, a very conspicuous camera pointed directly at the front porch, driving right past that house, I'm not going to even attempt it because it's a deterrent at that point. Just like an alarm system, uh, signs for an alarm system can be a deterrent to someone breaking into your house. A visible camera can be a deterrent to porch pirates like that. Um, some other things you can do to, you know, help prevent it from happening is, you know, if you uh, if you work in the office and you're not going to be home when a package is delivered, see if you have any neighbors nearby that can keep an eye out for it um, and that might grab the package for you when it's delivered so it's not sitting out there all day. Um, you know, neighbors, friends, anybody you you trust that would be willing to do that for you can help, you know, keep that package in your possession. Um, one of the other big things you can do is all of the major shipping providers, UPS, FedEx, USPS, uh, at least in the US, all those major providers will have an option for you to go into the tracking information on their website and request a hold. You can basically say, I would like you to hold this package at one of your locations and I will come pick it up later. So if you know you're not gonna be home when something is delivered, do that. It's kept in a secure area. There's not even a chance for anyone to drive by and to be able to pick it up. Mm -hmm. um, and, so, and one of the last ones I can think of is uh, if you're ordering something from a retailer that has a physical location, say a Walmart or a Best Buy or anything like that, you can order it and have it shipped to a store where you can just go by and pick it up. Very similar to having an Amazon package, uh, you know, having UPS hold it for you. You can have Best Buy hold a package that you've ordered, even if it's something they don't normally carry in store. Absolutely, absolutely. And as well to, um, I was gonna mention the one-way uh, package holders, you can get it as well. If you have that option or you own your home, you can put one outside and it will put small packages, the mail person can put small packages in and it'll drop it down to the bottom. You'll have a key to access it as well. Another option, so there's a couple more different options, but the point is, is, you know, it's the holidays, look out for each other, and really be safe, as safe as we can. And, you know, Brian, I want to thank you for your time. You've been absolutely wonderful as always. And, you absolutely. know, uh, re really enjoyed uh, going over all of this with you and definitely appreciate your, uh, your uh, holiday decorations there too. Absolutely, wonderful. Thanks uh, for having me on, Jack. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. So um, 
Well, guys, that's going to wrap it up for here on uh, for us here on INE Live. We really do hope that these points were helpful and that they were continue value added to your day. You can find us across all of social media at INE, and we would definitely like to hear from you on what topics you'll be covering next. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on this and what are the things we could have you know done a little bit better. You can find me at at SecITGuy on the socials. Now, from all of us here and also remote that are supporting you in your educational journey, happy holidays, be safe. Until next time, we'll see you then.